Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Guess what, guys? We are back. The Bears Talk Underground has returned Kicking off the first of four episodes to get us ready for week one and the 2020 season for our beloved Chicago Bears. And excuse me if I'm a little rusty uh, with the the ad reads and and whatnot, but got to bang these out before we can get down to business. Guys, the show is brought to you by Bet Online. As as sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Major League Baseball, the NBA, and NHL are in full swing, and there's no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to be on. Also tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. Who? Why? Why? Why would anybody want to listen to that? I should be. Anyway, he'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Jesus Christ! Uh, visit BetOnline.ag today and check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. Bet online. Your online wagering experts. That Floyd Mayweather thing is that is fantastic. Anyway, we're back. I'm back. It's been a long absence. Um, you know, it still really doesn't feel like we're less than ten days away from football. When this comes out on on uh, Wednesday, excuse me, Thursday, September third, we'll be ten days away from Bears Lions Week One. Hell, we'll be seven days away from the Chiefs and the Texans kicking things off on Thursday night football uh, a week from today. I mean, this is um, – and it's like without uh, without OTAs, without mini camps, without uh, – I mean, training camp's been raging on, but without preseason games, you don't know what we're looking at as far as our, 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 our rookies are concerned, what undrafted rookie free agents are trying to make the roster. Remember, like, we were, we were championing guys last year and – uh, and all that kind of stuff. None of that is happening. So when the roster comes out over the weekend, that's going to be something. So anyway, the guest that we have on the show today is our good friend Evan Western. Like I said, the first of four episodes. Uh, basically, we're going to touch all four of our NFC North teams, including our beloved Chicago Bears. Evan Western from Acme Packing Company, representing the Green Bay Packers, will be up first. Hey guys. It's the the first 2020 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. Ringing out loud and I don't 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. The hiatus is done. Hibernation over. We are on the way to real, actual football being played by our beloved Chicago Bears. And we haven't seen a snap since that less than impressive victory over the JV squad of the Minnesota Vikings um, at the end of December there to uh, finish uh, at 8-8. Eight and eight. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for part one of the 2020 uh, season preview. We're going to talk about all four of our NFC North brethren. Uh, the order in which we're going to go, I, I did this deliberately. It's like usually I save the Bears uh, the whole quote, you know, best for last thing. We're actually going to do them second to last because our preview of the Lions is also going to serve as our week one uh, preview. That that one's going to be dropping next Thursday. Uh, we're going to have Lauren Cox on um, Tuesday. That now we talk about the Bears. We'll talk about the fifty-three man roster. So that will probably be a long episode. God knowing, uh, Lauren and I. Boy, we like to get chatty with one another. And, uh, of course, we're kicking things off today with our good friend Evan Western from Acme Packing Company. And then on uh, Saturday, we're going to be dropping the Vikings with our friend, longtime listener, listener, longtime guest, Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman on SB Nation. So uh, got that to look forward to. So I'm not going to get into any news or anything because it's been so long. I've literally missed everything that's happened since the draft. So since we are actually, excuse me, since the schedule came out. So whatever's happened since the schedule came out, which is a lot and almost nothing all at the same time, uh, I'm not going to run over that. Basically, you know, in case you're wondering where I've been, if anybody missed my posts on social media about where I've been, what I've been doing, um, and I know that I talked about it from time to time on the episodes that I did before the schedule release show, because that was the last show that I did back in May when the schedule came out. So I've been gone for almost four months, and um, which I, ironically, the time that I missed is usually when I'm at my busiest, doing the season previews. Like last season, during this time of year, number one, I was so amped up and ready for 2019 to happen that I just I, I stayed busy just so I could be at midseason form when we kicked off week one against Green Bay on Thursday night football. God help us all. Um, you know, I, I did at least 10 or 12 episodes outside. I did. I had like 30 episodes plus in the bank before the week one preview uh, going into it. And yeah, I'm not going to have any of that. Like at the time when I'm most busy, during the off season, when there's nothing happening, that's when I'm doing the opponent previews. That's when I'm setting up interviews for other guests and things like that. I didn't, I just, and I, and I detailed it in my, in my post, I put it on Facebook. I also posted it on, on Twitter as well. I think I even put it on Instagram, which I never use, but, um, it's just like with, as a combination of things, a 2020, 2019 was such a drag of a season. It was one of those rare occurrences where I couldn't wait for a season to be over. Like I just wanted to be done with it so we could move on to the next one. Uh, and with the way the season went, where it was different things that went wrong in different ways, 
I wasn't really excited about the offseason because the blueprint for Ryan Pace to fix what was broken didn't seem that clear. I mean, you could ask five different experts, what do you do to fix the Bears? You would have gotten five different answers because that's the kind of season that the Bears had. There wasn't one thing that we could do that would fix all of it or one thing that we could do that could fix most of it. There were a lot of different – just look at how the season went you know, and it just seems like Ryan Pace did a little bit of everything. We went out and we got rid of Leonard Floyd. We got Robert Quinn to help out with, to, you know, what was hurting most on defense last year, even with Akeem Hicks being gone and that hurting, was not having anybody on the other side of Khalil Mack and Khalil, you know, facing double and triple teams and. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Uh, and whatnot. Not going to be able to do that with Robert Quinn. Uh, on the other side Robert Quinn is a legit pass rushing monster that should make things easier for Khalil and really open things up on the defense you got Akeem Hicks back Roquan is back Trevathan is back all the rest of that uh, stuff we went out and upgraded the tight end position which would not have been hard at all Um, offensive line the Bears are going with hey we're upgrading the coaching staff not so much the actual personnel itself, which was going to be difficult to begin with because aside from Kyle Long, basically everybody else on the offensive line is signed until like 2022. So he was kind of hamstrung there. We were going to have to either make a trade or take a cap hit or something like that to get rid of any of to get rid of Bobby Massey or Charles Leno or anything like that. Cody Whitehair and James Daniels were Definitely not going anywhere, but uh, those other two guys, they would have been on the chopping block and it would have hurt us probably more to get rid of them than it would to keep them. So we upgraded the quarterback position, and by bringing in Nick Foles, I think that's a twofold thing. You guys heard me talking before, before any moves were made, how I would have been in, in proof. Uh, you know, I was kind of more of a, in, in, the, in the bringing in a, like an Andy Dalton uh, kind of guy as opposed to bringing in a cam newton or uh or trading for a Derek carr or something like i was actually i would have really loved for us to get Derek carr but bringing in Derek carr that's the end of trubisky that's it i thought that you know maybe the best way to go is the like the eric kramer steve walsh route bring in somebody that trubisky's got to compete with somebody who was a real threat to put him on the bench week one and he'll either step up and be our guy or he'll be our backup, and either way, the quarterback position is improved because I think Foles and Trubisky, whoever the backup ends up being, they still haven't made a decision on that yet, 
that's an upgrade over Chase Daniel. So if one goes down, we're still better than we were last year because there's not as steep a drop-off between Daniel and Trubisky and vice versa. So I think we're okay there. But it's like, does all of that work? The schedule that we have, uh, the AFC South, the NFC Oh, both the South, the South, the NFC South, the AFC South, interesting divisions there, uh, you know, lots that can happen. The Tom Brady renaissance going on in uh, in Tampa Bay, you know, New Orleans trying to come back from another playoff disappointment, Carolina, new coach, new quarterback and Teddy Bridgewater, and then the Falcons trying to, you know, rebound. They started off poorly and finished strong they let dan quinn come back and all the rest of that stuff will that be enough for them to go through and then you know the afc south tennessee almost went to the super bowl last year the the texans uh are back again um you have the colts who were more or kind of like the bears they had injury problems that hurt them you know the, they were kind of the bears of the nfc like the the team that surprised in 2018 but regressed in 2019 because of injuries because the quarterback play wasn't there like it was the year before so on and so forth and then you have the jaguars well i don't think we have to worry about the jaguars they're they've been having a fire sale for the last two years getting rid of everybody including just the other day getting rid of leonard fournette and uh Ngakwe, who's in our division now with the vikings so we'll talk to chris gates about that over the weekend and um you know it's it's going to be an interesting schedule that we have and and will the packers be Will the Packers be the Bears of 2019 where they had this great outstanding record and made it made, made a playoff run, fell short and then fell fell back in, in the year after? Uh, you know, will the Lions finally figure it out under Patricia uh, and and will the Vikings who kind of look like they were they were rebuilding and reloading at the same time is a very interesting offseason that the Vikings have and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's. All of that just kind of weighed on my mind. And then you bring in the COVID pandemic where basically everybody goes indoors. I've been working from home since March 20th, so I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. You know, you can't. Uh, You know, I'm a very simple guy. I'm a homebody by nature. So I don't go out much. So in the beginning, I wasn't missing all that much. But then again, the two main things that that I do to entertain myself is I like to go out to movies and I like to go out and and eat, like go to a sports bar, watch a game, watch a fight, you know, something like that, just to get out of the house, mingle with people, that kind of thing. And what's the two two things that ended immediately when the shutdown began with the pandemic? No movies, no going out to restaurants. So (laughs) there was a homebody. Now I'm not doing anything. So And I'm also working from home, which means I'm basically a prisoner uh in my own home so i never leave this place uh, so that just you know kind of the that whole blah and all the rest of that very long-winded way of saying you know it, it all just kind of added up and i had little to no motivation uh whatsoever the episodes that i did do i was very much forcing myself to do and i had a lot of fun with the ones that i did do uh we, we brought uh, your boy q on to talk about the the, the bears and the raiders and the trade they almost made on, you know, that to try to get the Raiders John Elway, uh, that having Raymond Harris on the show was a blast. How I made that happen in like two seconds, ridiculous. That was fun. 
Uh, you know, and of course, just having our, you know, having Scott Wright back on to talk about the draft and uh, and and what have you. It just, it just, it, my heart wasn't really in it. You know, I enjoyed doing it, but I was happy to be done with it more so than looking forward to the next one. Um, but football looks like it's going to happen. Um, I am excited about what the season could bring. You know, the potential is still there. We have the defense. We have talent on offense. We got some new pieces in there. We got some new philosophy. I would think we got a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback coach, a, a passing coordinator, a new offensive line coach. So yeah, I'm interested to see what this offense is going to look like. And, um, you know, of course, Nagy's going to still call the plays, but we'll see how the input from Bill Lazor and, and DeFilippo will, will help things along with that so we won't look like uh and like you know the thing that i hated about the offense last year is that we were always doing those things like hey it's third and 12 let's have our receiver run a three yard route and get the rest of yardage on his own used to make me nuts to watch that when we would watch our opponents literally hey it's third and six everybody run an eight yard route and get the first down and they would be able to do that meanwhile Allen robinson is trying to dig a two yard out route and get nine yards on third and 11 so that used to piss me off beyond belief so hopefully the defense or excuse me the offense is um you know shaping up to be a bit more consistent um and the defense i'm hoping that they're still going to be the dogs that they have been because we still had a pretty good damn defense last year despite the pieces that we were missing um so i'm looking forward to it now and we're getting closer so it's looking like it's real one of the other things that kept me away was that i didn't really believe that it was going to happen i mean how much time did the nba the nhl and major league baseball waste talking about safety precautions and it's it's valid they had a valid reason for it but major league baseball is playing 100 less games than they did uh than they would regularly would they're playing 60 games instead of 162 the NBA and the NHL began their playoffs after the season would have naturally ended. Like the season would have been over mid-June. NHL and uh, NBA both started their playoffs or the whatever the hell the NBA did for a month before the playoffs started, but began that in July. So it's like two, three weeks after the season would have naturally ended, they're starting their postseason, and the postseason will end near when the next season is supposed to start so i don't know how that's going to work for the season that comes after it but it's like everything is out of whack uh right now and um it just i just didn't i wasn't confident that football was going to to uh to follow through to be or to be able to especially with college uh the college conferences opting out and, and electing to play in the spring uh and all that kind of stuff some teams are f forging ahead and playing here in the fall, I think the SEC, the ACC is going forward with it, but we know the Big Ten, the Pac-12, they're like, nah, we'll see you in January or February or whenever the spring season is going to kick off uh, for them. But um, I just, you know, it just didn't, I wasn't sitting there. I didn't want to get all this work in and do all of this for a season that wasn't going to happen. You know, I just, felt, number one, it was, I was forcing myself to do these episodes to begin with. And then it, and all the work that I'm putting in might be for naught because the season might not happen after all. It might be an abbreviated season. We might end up starting late and blah, 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 and all the rest of that stuff. 
But uh, God bless the NFL and God bless the luck that they have. They ended the season right before the pandemic took hold of the country and they've had all this time, this six and a half months plus uh, between the end of the Super Bowl and the start of this season for this thing to kind of naturally play itself out and for protocols and ideas and, and for those discussions to be had naturally instead of them trying to be forced like they were with literally every other sports league. So the NFL really benefited from the timing uh, of this whole thing, and they've been forging ahead all along like the season was going to going to happen. So, And like I said, here we are, seven days from the official kickoff of the season, Texans and Chiefs uh, on opening night on Thursday Night Football next Thursday, and then three days after that, our beloved hit the road and take on the Lions in Detroit week one to kick this thing off uh, officially and it will give every person the first look at their team and that's uh, what's been so strange about it is that someone had to remind me the other day that i got you know 17 days before the season starts and be like oh then i guess <laughs> maybe i should start doing episodes or something to kind of get ready i i guess and uh you know it just it still doesn't feel like we're 10 days away from the kickoff of the nfl season because everything's basically behind lock and key. Uh, even with uh, you know listening to other podcasts and reading the articles and trying to keep up with the daily reports coming out of camp and this and that, it still isn't like it's real. This is basically, it, this feels like um, OTAs and mini camps where you have very limited access to the team and you're only getting the information third hand from the reporter who watched it. You know, that kind of thing, as, as opposed to having actual data and input of the preseason games in front of us. So we as fans could form our own opinions on who's ready, who's not uh, and everything like that. But it also kind of saved us as Bear fans from the aggravation of watching Matt Nagy sit everybody in the preseason and then watching us play like shit week one uh, against the Lions. So if we come out and, and not play well. Uh, against Detroit that's it wouldn't be because we didn't get our guys ready in the preseason or get them some reps to get the body warmed up uh, or anything like that it'll probably be because everybody's probably going to suck week one because they haven't played real football since December January or February depending on how deep you made it into the season so but despite all that I'm here you're here Evan Western's waiting for us so let's go ahead and dive right into this, guys, and get this thing underway. Part one of the 2020 season preview with our good friend Evan Western from Acme Packing Company helping us preview the Green Bay Packers. So here we are. Let's see if I remember how to do this. It's been a while uh, since I had a guest uh, on the show, but uh, might as well start out with the devil that we know best, and uh, that devil would be Evan Western from Acme Packing Company here to help us preview the 2020 Green Bay Packers. Evan, welcome back, man. Thanks. It's uh, yeah, it's been a long time, and uh, it's it's good to finally be talking about some semblance of real football again. <laughs> Even though, and I, and I just got done talking about this in my pre-segment, you and I touched on it a minute ago before we started recording, 
you know, this is coming out tomorrow on the 3rd. We're seven days away from the kickoff game between the uh, Texans and the Chiefs, 10 days away from Bears-Lions week one, uh, Packers-Vikings week one, and it doesn't feel like it at all, does it? No, no, not at all. Um, between you know training camp being just completely a mess, um, you know all the all the big traditions that they have up in Green Bay being being shot down because of COVID and you know preseason games. It it really you know time really has seems like it's had no meaning this summer. But yeah. um, especially you know in the context of football, when all of a sudden you know you're basically starting from scratch. It's almost like a college season that way. You know, yeah. um, just jumping right in in, in week one. You're right. Absolutely. I never really thought about it that way. There's no preseason uh, with college. You don't get a lot of info on what's how the team is being built going into that first game uh, of the season. And then they just hit the field and then they are. And here's your team kind of thing. And that yep. is very much what we as NFL fans are going to be doing, you know, 10 days time when when uh, when the Packers and Vikings uh, hit Lambeau. They uh, is it at Lambeau? No, uh, U.S. Minnesota. Bank, I think. Yeah, you're at yep. you're at Minnesota. We're on the road as well. Um, but when you guys, you know, kick things off in a very empty U.S. Bank field or a, <laughs> you know, or a shell of a U.S. Bank field that's got 20 percent capacity in it, I don't know how the Vikings are swinging on that one. But uh, it'll be your first look at this team, period. And th- th- this will be one of those first times where we we can honestly say that the the teams know themselves better than the fans think they do. Yeah, for sure. And and the Packers are an interesting case with that too this year because they not only did uh, you know, were there no public practices available due to due to COVID, but they also really kind of locked down some of the reporting from reporters coming out of training camp too. Oh, okay. So they did that about the last like 2 weeks of practice or so of camp is they basically said, "All right, you know, you, the the media can't report you know who's running with the first team who's running with the second team who's playing in what positions in certain packages and things um trying to trying to pull some sort of competitive advantage because um you know without any any tape to go off of in the preseason um, without any public practices available you know the, their theory there is that a lot of these scouting departments across the league are going to be looking at media reports because that's the only information that's out there for for information on other teams and, and right. some of these players. So that was kind of the 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 thought process, um, at least according to to the organization for why they did that. So you know I'd love to be able to tell you you know which you know, who who's been running with the ones at at right guard and right tackle, and I can speculate on that, but you know I can't really give you anything from on that from the last you know week and a half or so because uh they kind of put the kibosh on that yeah I, I think that the only thing that we can agree on as far as training camp and the packers is that um aj Dillon doesn't skip leg day <laughs> no no there's uh that that is one thing he cannot and, and will not do because that man uh he, he definitely has a sense of humor about it because he comes out there in those short shorts and practice and yeah. uh, he, he definitely knows he's showing it off there's no question about that <laughs> he's got those big earl campbell thighs man where yeah. just you know he, he could he could crush watermelons and cantaloupes with those things it's, it's amazing yeah. um you know how and, you know, part of that is genetics, and the other part is that guy's literally never met a leg day he didn't like. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's an interesting specimen. It's going to be interesting to see how they use him in the running game. But, um, 
Yeah, dra- drafting a running back early is something that the Packers have rarely done over the years. And so, you know, grabbing him in, in the second round was an interesting choice. Yeah, and we'll get to the to the draft picks a little bit later on because I think there may have been one that drew a headline or two out of the bit that you made. So we'll 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 talk. I'll give you some time to think about which one that might be and uh we'll we'll dwell on other stuff <laughs> in the meantime. Um so quick to recap twenty nineteen. Um, you guys basically had the season we were supposed to have as in coming out and, and, uh, you know, winning, winning the games and 13 and three and a division championship and a deep run in the playoffs for any bear fan that didn't think that we could make the Super Bowl, I think we at least expected the natural progression to be not only make the playoffs, but win a playoff game this time around. And instead it was. The Packers were the 2018 Bears. New coach, uh, new philosophy, got some new players out there doing some new things, and you kind of take the division uh, by storm and kind of run away with it. And the next thing you know, you're one game uh, away from the Super Bowl in in, uh, year one of the new coach's uh, era. Yeah, it was a... um... You know, unexpected is probably a fair, <laughs> fair assessment. Um, I don't think anybody was expecting, uh, you know, going to thirteen and three with with Lafleur in his first year. Right. Um, and they, the, the Packers, definitely got fortunate in a handful of games. Um, you know, one of the things that a lot of people are pointing to from you know moving from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty is the fact that Green Bay was, I think, eight and one in games decided by one possession or less. And that's one of those things that tends to regress and and balance out pretty pretty well over time. So, you know, there's still some, there's there's some regression there and 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 some thought that the Packers overachieved um, on their record relative to their their true quality as a as a football team. But wow. um, I think this is this sounds... is still a good team. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean it's, it sounds exactly like the way that they were talking about the Bears a year yeah. ago at this yeah. time because we as well won a lot of one possession games you know yeah. defense seemed to be the great equalizer there on the days that Trubisky forgot how to play football uh the defense would be out there to save him and the Smith brothers played a big part in helping you guys go 8 and 1 in those one possession games including i believe if math is correct 2 and 0 against the bears in those games yeah um i mean you saw them make that that big impact in week 1 yeah, you know, the the first matchup in in Chicago. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of big sacks towards the end of that game, um, and then you know, I think maybe maybe one of their biggest performances was in Seattle in the divisional game when they kind of you know they came up with a couple of really timely sacks in uh, in the fourth quarter, um, and then you know there was a few sprinklings other you know other games here and there. That week sixteen game at Minnesota um, when Green Bay finally won in in their new stadium for the first time. Um, Zadarius Smith was just completely unblockable um and 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 made kirk cousins life a living hell so um yeah this this defense is is very different than it was the year before um basically returning every key player essentially minus you know blake martinez who um you know was basically just kind of a a tackling mop-up guy if if you know you follow what what he said about his role last year and you know if christian kirksey play you know stays healthy you know that's that's pretty much a wash there i think so you know all those key players are back on defense um you know the question i think is just did the packers do enough to improve their offense um to to take another step forward and and that's 
You know, that's the big been the big question about this team from uh, from Packers fans for most of this offseason. Right. And then, of course, the number one question being, how will you recover from the loss of Jimmy Graham? I mean, come on. Right. So. Well, I've been hearing that he's he was one of the best players in the Bears training camp so far okay. this year. Not which... a high bar to cross, <laughs> considering what we had at tight end last year, man. I mean, yeah. I wasn't overly thrilled. I mean, if if, if this was 2014, I'd have been over the moon about us getting Jimmy Graham. Oh, yeah. Here we are at 2020 on his third team since then. Not exactly fallen over myself to to to, to pat. Uh, Ryan Pace on the back with that signing but like you I've heard nothing but positive things about him and you know how he's played in training camp same thing about Cole Komet our second round uh, draft choice out of uh, Notre Dame so but like I said not exactly a high bar to cross considering what we had to deal with throughout 2019 not one guy had over 100 yards receiving for the season at tight end last year I mean like I said, the bar is as low as it gets for that position right now. Seems like uh, they took a lot of stabs at at bringing in a lot of different guys to this this offseason. I feel like I remember at one point they had like 11 or 12 tight ends on the Bears roster this offseason. I think off we season. talked out at 10, <laughs> but you're not far off. Yeah, it, you know, like I remember my, my dad texting me when we let one of the tight ends go. And it's like, oh, my God, well, how will we serve? We're down to nine. I, I mean, how yeah. are we going to do it? And it's like, I <laughs> I know it's only 10% of the 90-man roster. I don't know how we're going to get along this way. But, uh, you know, it, 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 it became a, 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 you know, a comedic thing. Like, I think oh, yeah. even now, before the cuts begin, that uh, we still have six or seven tight ends on the team. So I might be wrong about that, but, but at last count, I think we dwindled that 10 or 11 down to six or seven right now. So. Well, and what is what is Nagy's traditional, you know, tight end usage look like, right? I mean, is he more of an eleven personnel guy? Does he use a lot of two tight end formations? Because if, you know, there's there's no reason to 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 have that many guys if you're not going to put some of them on the field, right? <laughs> Agreed. Um, I, and I think the thing about because we had four on the team last year that I remember, right. they all did something different. Like Trey Burton was kind of the receiving guy, and. Uh, you know, then there was the other one that was more of the, you know, more of the run blocking uh, guy. Then you had the one that was the H back guy. And then the other one was kind of the goal line uh, guy and things like that. So I think, you know, he hasn't been able to find a Travis Kelsey who can do all of that in one. I think that's what they're hoping Cole Komet will become uh, eventually. But, you know, as far as I can tell, it was that's what kind of tipped the bears hand was depending on which tight end we had on the field would kind of tell you what to look for, uh, out of the, uh, offense. You know, if, if the, if that kid was out, uh, what was his name from, we got him from the Redskins. I can't remember his name now, but if he was out there, then more than likely we're going to run. Cause he's either going to be that, that, that's third tackle on the field, or he's going to be lined up as an H back in the backfield in front of Montgomery. So, um, hopefully we'll be able to be a little less predictable this year but um you know it was a very hot and cold off season for for pace like we went and got robert quinn and then we signed jimmy graham it's like well those moves seem to kind of cancel each other out as far as excitement amongst the fan base so yep. but uh amongst your free agent losses you talked about blake martinez he went off to the giants same as kyler fackrell that seems like a bigger loss to me kyler fackrell um, it, it'll be interesting. I think Fackrell actually had a better year 
2019 that he did in 2018, even though he had like 11 sacks in 18. Um, that was a, I think he had 11 sacks, but he only had like 15 total pressures on the quarterback or something. So he he cleaned up a lot of yeah. It's um, not a bad percentage you know, if you're fortunate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, no, it, and, and really when the, the Packers have a third edge rusher behind the Smiths and Rashawn Gary coming up, and by all accounts he's been looking tremendous in camp. So um, losing Fackrell, you know, I I, I think he's. You know, he's probably around a replacement level guy, and Gary at least brings you um, some elite athletic tools that that you can point to. Um, and so the the potential there is certainly you know sky high with him. Whereas you know, Fackrell was a little bit more of a, a limited player. I think where Martinez hurts is just the fact that he was out there every play and he called the defense on the field. He wore the green dot. So um, you know, communicating the the calls in and and just kind of being that. Um, that kind of cleanup guy in the middle. But again, if you've got somebody like Christian Kirksey coming in, who now um, having played under Mike Pettin for a few years in, in Cleveland, yeah. um, kind of has a, has his system down pretty well. Um, he'll be, he'll be making the calls on the field again. And, you know, if he can stay healthy, you know, that, that seems like kind of a wash to me. So um, yeah, the, the, the bigger loss by far, I think would be on the other side of the football with Brian Belaga, the right yeah. tackle um, ending up in, um, in LA with the chargers. Mm-hmm. So that that's leaving that side of the offensive line in a little bit of flux at this point. So Ricky Wagner was signed away from the lions to replace him. So we'll see how, that goes um, Geronimo Allison. What a name. He went to the Lions, and Devin mm-hmm. Funches comes in from Indianapolis. Is that where he was last? Yep. Okay, because yep. I knew he started in, in Carolina. You re-signed Mercedes Lewis, and then th- that seems like a typical offseason. Unless I'm missing something, that's pretty much it for free agency for the, for the Packers this year. Yeah, and and yeah, typical offseason is right. It's much more in line with the Packers' typical free agent spending type than you know than than it was last year when they landed the Smiths and and Adrian Amos and Billy Turner um, all on day one. So um, the team had less money to work with this year. I mean, that's part of it, but um, you know, just just fundamentally, you know, those guys all have roles now, um, and. and you know, three of the four of them playing at a you know very high level, and Turner at least you know being out there for every game last year at right guard. Um, you know, they you, you figure, you know this this team is kind of you know just gonna try to run it back a little bit. It seems like and supplement a little bit here with some role players in the draft and and see if they can um, count on some some year two improvement and some development of some of the young guys and uh, see if that can you know get them back and in, into contention late in the season again. Well, I got to tell you, Evan, I hope for your sake that that works out, but you sound like I did a year ago at this time, <laughs> yep. where it's like, you know, we got all these guys, everybody's got a role, we just needed to kind of tweak the roster more so than overhaul it like we have over the last few years under Ryan Pace, and uh, you know, we're, we're done making our big moves, now it's more about maintaining what we have, building yep. on the depth behind our starters, and we saw how that worked out for us yep. in... 2019 so i hope for your sake that it works out for my sake i hope you guys sink like we did in 2019 (laughs) all i hope i hope for your sake and i mean this genuinely it's not as difficult to watch as it was for me because the thing that made me nuts about the bears in 2019 was not that we didn't win as many games but because but 
Like, it seemed that our kryptonite changed colors each and every week. Mm-hmm. One week it was, you know, like week one against you guys, we didn't, we wouldn't run the football or, you know, Trubisky was his, well, his normal self as far as being inaccurate and <laughs> making bad decisions. Uh, then, you know, week two, we're running the football a lot better, but the, you know, the defense folded at the end of the game. Then we started getting hurt, which we were able to avoid in, in 20. 2018 you know Akeem Hicks goes down we lose Danny Trevathan we lose Roquan Smith uh from time to time and so on and so forth like all these things went sideways on us and then you know we'd figure out how to do one thing we only run the ball seven times on Walter Payton day against the New Orleans Saints (laughs) and then come out and David Montgomery runs for a buck 55 and and a touchdown against the the Chargers the week after and then we don't run like that again for the rest of the season you know, and it's it just every week it just seemed to change, which is what kind of made going into this off season like I wasn't looking forward to it because we had so many different things go wrong in so many different ways. How do you fix that? Like how yeah. is because there isn't one move that you can make that would cover most of the losses or fix this problem or that one. There were a ton of moves that had to be made, and if you make those moves in the wrong combination, it kind of cancels the rest of them out. So. That's what. That's why I was, you know, a the bad season we had, b the whole COVID thing. Plus, that is the reason I've kind of been sitting around twiddling my thumbs instead of like, hey, let's talk about these twenty twenty bears. I can't wait. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I hope yeah. it works out, um, or at, at the very least works it works better. That makes it it's watchable and not as gut wrenchingly painful as it was uh, for me and the rest of my bear brethren in in twenty nineteen. So. Um, I hope it at least is is a, a lot easier for you to stomach than it was for us because what we thought we had to improve the week before would be what we do better than anything the week after, but something else would go wrong, and that's why we would win or lose and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it was it was one of those rare seasons where I was like, I can't wait for this year to be over. I cannot wait for it to be over. I just want it to be done. I don't want to watch this team play anymore. I'm done. I am absolutely have you ever had a year with that, with the Packers? I mean, I know you haven't had many oh. bad seasons in quite a while, but, you know, can you think of a season where it's like, Jesus Christ, thank God this year is over. I, I couldn't do that anymore. I mean, honestly, you know, two years in a row, 2017 and 2018 were kind of that way. 17 was was Roger's second year when uh, with the broken collarbone. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we had the Brett Hundley season for, for the second half of that season. Um, that one was That one was rough. And then 2018 – um, you know, the, the, when McCarthy got fired and, and just kind of playing out the string on that season. Um, and, and especially cause week 17 of that, that year was just the worst because R- Rogers gets concussed on practically the first play of that game. And we have to watch Deshaun Kaiser come in and, and, you know, play for about 58 minutes of football. Um, and, and I think we, did we get shut out by the I Lions so. at home in that game? I think you guys got housed by yeah. the Lions in that game, didn't you? Like, um, for the yeah. second year in a row, because they beat you on Monday Night Football the year before. Yeah, yeah, it was a thirty-one uh, nothing game in, in Week Seventeen there. So yeah, um, yeah that that one was that one was brutal. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully we don't see that again this year. I think <laughs> the uh, the the. The things that plagued the Packers in their losses last year were very consistent. First of all, it was playing in California, and if they ever have to, I, mean, I think they've got a game at San Francisco again on like a Thursday night coming on a short week. 
uh, this season, which is going to be rough. But, um, yeah, three of their four losses last year, including the NFC Championship, were in the state of California um, and against Bosa's, which didn't help either. Yeah, I, I but, seem to remember um, you saying, if we never see the Bosa's again, it will be too yep. soon. Yep. Yeah, either one of them. Um, and, and then the run defense was was consistently a, a, an issue um, in all of those losses, um, including the game that we that, that they lost to Philly early on in the season. So the the question there is going to be how much does Mike Patton actually give a damn about stopping the run? Um, I think he kind of just gives it lip service and is focused on you know making sure that you don't get gashed with big gains in the passing game, and that you know teams just won't kill you with the run but at some point you know Kyle Shanahan took advantage of that and and just you know just kept kept finding creative ways to run the football and you know it was that that was all it took for uh uh to to get through that defense so we'll see on that one but um that'll be I think the the book is out on that and and we'll see how teams especially the Vikings with a guy like Dalvin Cook in week one uh decide to try to attack this defense Just want to take a quick break to, to again, thank our sponsors, betonline.ag. Like I said, as the sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag, with MLB, NHL, NBA, all in full swing. Not to mention, you know, golf is out there doing things. I think, uh, you know, you could probably bet on some of the races. I don't know how deep NASCAR is or, you know, Formula One, uh, which is far more interesting than NASCAR, by the way. Uh, those guys are all in full in full swing. No shortage of ways to get in on the action. And bet online has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And uh, I wouldn't doubt that they'd probably allow you to bet on some of those college games that are going to be taking place this weekend. I think there's a grand total of nine games this weekend, which, which for what's supposed to be opening weekend of college football, <laughs> it's kind of sad actually. Uh, also tune in there we go again Floyd Money Mayweather joins the bet online team in a new segment called how I wasted my money I'm sorry it's called the ice is right where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection <sighs> he'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. bet on the cost of his bling the balls it must take to do something like that holy hell Visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. The show is also brought to you by Manscaped. That's right. They're back. 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control. But there is one thing you can control, and that's shaving your bush. That's beautiful. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Nice. And the 3.0 is waterproof and comes with an LED light. <laughs> For those of you that like to shave in the dark. Uh, so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark. Oh, oh, my God. It even says in the dark, in the dark or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. Yeah, I, I guess. If Yeah. They also <laughs> just released Shears, their, their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes tipped tweezers, rounded point scissors 
fingernail clippers and a medium grit nail file. Yeah, that's definitely manscaping. That is for sure. On their website, you'll also find the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. This will help you tame the summer swamp ass with natural hydrators and antioxidants. Can't have enough of those. You'll also find the Crop Reviver, a testy toner that's like having cologne that is designed for your balls. That's what it actually says, designed for your balls. We won't judge you if we catch you sniffing yourself. Yes, you will. Go to manscaped.com and check out some of these life-changing products. In fact, listeners of this show will get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code armchair. It's time to... It's... (laughs) I thought I was going to say time to grab by the balls. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that front truck. And now let's get back to the show. You guys had an obvious Achilles heel and you mm-hmm. had an you had an off season to fix it. And first I would like to thank you on behalf of Bear fans everywhere for not signing Nick Kwiatkowski. I <laughs> I can't tell you how thrilled I was to hear he was signing with the Raiders because I just had and I posted on on Facebook, I posted it on Twitter, you may have seen it. I just knew deep down inside that if Kwiatkowski signs with the Packers, he will make the Hall of Fame kicking the shit out of the Bears <laughs> twice a year. Like, I just knew he'd be that guy because he, he really blossomed in that last year. And I was really surprised yep. that Pace took Trevathan over Kwiatkowski when it came to level of play because I remember, and I've mentioned this a thousand times since he took the job, was him listing the Packers as an example of the team he was trying to create with the Bears because his example was right now the Packers have 47 guys signed to their roster 46 of them have only ever been Green Bay Packers and mm-hmm. this was the homegrown guy that you that you wanted to hang on to this is what you were talking about this is a guy we drafted him in the fourth round he was forced into duty because of injury the first couple of years in, in his career year three he's a special teams guy he's playing behind Trevathan and Roquan and then year four, injury forces him on the field again, only he's got three years of experience under his belt. He's, he's one of the more efficient inside blitzers I've ever seen, and he's also seemed to cure that, uh, that Achilles heel, which was pass coverage. Was like That was one of those things that was like, yeah, Kwiatkowski, he's a monster against the run, but get him out in pass coverage, and he's a liability. Well, he seemed to improve in that area as well, making him a prime free agent target or a prime target to keep in house and not let him go somewhere else. So I was very surprised when he let Kwiatkowski go and re-signed Trevathan, but I was over the moon when I heard <laughs> he was going not to Green Bay. Like I just I knew it in my bones that this guy would murder us for the next ten years in a Green Bay uniform if we let him go uh to the Packers. So thank yeah. you for the, for that not happening. I was that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can definitely thank Brian Gutekunst's um, different approach to free agency on that one this year. I think um, he was he's banking on kind of low low dollar high high risk but high ceiling kind of guys like like a Kirksey, you know, coming yeah. off of injuries the last couple of years. Rick Wagner, same same sort of deal. Um, both of those guys are on two year deals. If something happens and they're not in the, the plans anymore after 2020, you know, cut them and move on and, and find another 
you know, another player at that position. But so I think they were looking for, you know, places where they could find some value on some relatively inexpensive deals. Um, and Devin Funches was another example. Um, you know, he, he opted out of this season due to COVID, but, um, you know, that was like a one year, $2 million deal coming off of a, um, you know, an injury that cost him most of last season. And if he comes back and he's, you know, the big physical, um, you know, kind of big slot guy, you know, crossing routes and deep crossers and things, you know, and can get you, you know, 600, 700 receiving yards and some tough catches. That's totally worth that sort of investment. Um, and we'll see, you know, we'll see in 2021 if that ends up paying off. But I think that's the that's the kind of guy that they targeted in free agency this year, um, as opposed to the the big star players like Amos and the Smiths the year before. Sure. Now, you mentioned that, that Funches opted out. Did you have anybody on the level of, like, say, for the Bears and Eddie Goldman opt out of the season? Like, somebody that was like, oh, man, not him. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Funches was the only one on the entire roster who opted out. Wow. Um, there were – yeah, so it's 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 just the one. Um, so from that perspective, there's – yeah, there's, there's really no glaring holes, um, at least due to that. Goldman was a, a big one. I remember it was it was either – it was like back-to-back days or, or, you know, real close succession that he opted out. And then Michael Pierce, the new nose tackle for Minnesota, opted out, um, you know, right shortly thereafter. So everybody – Packers Twitter was joking that Corey Lindsley's job just got infinitely easier this year uh, <laughs> playing center. Um, Say so that, that he wouldn't be too sorry to see those guys sitting out this year. No, not but, at all. Um, yeah, that'll that'll be interesting just to see how those. You know, I mean, Goldman's you know a terrific young player, and um, I'll be fascinated to see how much you know what sort of an impact that has on on the run defense in the middle. Hopefully not much. I mean, I hear that that Jay Rogers, our our story defensive line coach, has been working closely with Bilal Nichols, who has become like the front runner to replace him. And Bilal Nichols is one of those uh, those draft gems for oh, uh, for pace. He, a, he, a fifth. He was somebody guy. that I had. Yeah, I had yeah. my eye on it when he came out, and and I was really hoping that he would end up in a you know as a as a Packer at some point. Yeah, but I mean, one of those guys, small school, a fifth round choice. You're you're not expecting a lot, and this guy became a starter uh, for us in his rookie season. It was a it was a beast uh, for us. He didn't play much in that week one game against you guys. That's when he messed up his hand <laughs> uh, uh, and everything last year. But you know, this guy's got a got the arrow that's pointing up. I mean, like we were talking about Kwiatkowski a little while ago. He's one of those guys you'd think that, you know, if he has another great year that we're going to be talking about some kind of extension to keep him around and not let him go somewhere and let him be a terror uh, to us, uh, you know, going forward. So but I heard that he's the like the front runner to replace uh, Eddie Goldman, which would make things very interesting on the defensive line. So um, we'll have to see about that. So so we talked about it briefly. We, we, We touched upon it before. First of all, before we get into the actual picks, what did you think of the draft this year? It was the the whole presentation and everything. Yeah, I mean, it was it was fascinating. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. seeing Goodell making all those picks from his basement, and um, you know, I, I did really enjoy kind of the look in the look behind the curtain at kind of the homes of some of the some of the top players, and that then fun, you know yeah. some of the coaches and things too. Um, I still think one of my favorite moments of the whole draft was when they cut to that shot of Bill Belichick's house and it was just his dog sitting there at the table in his chair um, too. 
yeah. you know, sitting in his yeah, chair those. like, yeah, I got the third round, coach. Don't worry about yep. this one. I got it. So, so yeah, yeah, those 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 little things that uh, you get to see a little more of the human side of of some of these some of these people. That was that was actually kind of fun, and I I, I admit that I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, so without the the pomp and circumstance of of having everything you know in one big location, um, I don't know that I felt like it really detracted that much from it because it's such a made for TV event anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out in Ohio and, and the draft's supposed to be in Cleveland, I think this coming year. And I'm trying to, trying to rack my brain to think, well, what would, what would I actually get out of going, right. um, going up there for the draft? And I, I can't come up with an answer. <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, I thought it was, I, I thought it was a really interesting way to, to, to see, you know, See behind the curtain on some of this stuff. I thought, you know, for me, it it's, it tells you a lot about what's important to who when you look mm-hmm. at uh, Cliff Klingsbury, who went viral because of that baller-ass house that he yeah. has, <laughs> and Bill Belichick, the most successful coach in the history of football, looks like he lives in the first house he ever bought. Oh, God, you know, that like, table that he has. Yeah, I mean, that very nondescript wood table. Yeah. He's got one monitor. <laughs> in front of him not like Klingsbury who's got this this beautiful couch and this expansive like glass wall he's got screens in front of him a huge flat screen up yep. against the wall I mean that guy is bawling out and here you know the guy that should be bawling out but Scott is is far more interested in is polishing his his rings is sitting at some dank little table in some corner of the house somewhere making the most important decisions of the off season and it's just like <laughs> How is it's like the the results for these guys should be the like they should be living in the opposite dwelling. A second year oh, coach and yeah. Cliff Kingsbury should be in the smaller house with the with the wooden table, not bawling out and making, you know, Bill Belichick look like he was on the welfare line. Yeah, I, I wish that, you know, I've I've got a little just sort of side passion with like A V equipment and stuff and, and doing like home theater setups and sure, things. Sure, and yeah. like I can only imagine, you know, in in the age of, you know, trying to set up a, a coach and a GM's um, you know, workstation for the draft and some of these guys with, you know, the the fifteen monitors and things, um, it must have been a blast both to try to figure out, all right, what do you want? Um, how how to set up the setup that they have, and then you know, charging an arm and a leg for for doing it too, right? I mean that would have been uh, the the tech guys made a lot of money on the on the the coaches and the execs oh, uh, in the weeks leading up yeah. to that uh, to the draft this year, I'm sure. So here we are, night one of the draft. <sighs> Going into it, you, I don't know if you want to you know if you know who, but. What was on your wish list going in? I mean, is was it anything besides a wide receiver? No, <laughs> I mean, simply put, it it was that was always the assumption, and that was always, I think, Packer fans' goal. And um, I think the one or two other places where you could have maybe seen them going is on one of the lines. Um, again, because the run defense was so bad, uh, a defensive line wouldn't lineman wouldn't have been a shock. And because Balaga was gone, an offensive tackle wouldn't have been a shock. But sure. you figure with the the glut of talent at that receiving position in in this year's draft, um, and I still think that there was that they were targeting one or two guys that came off the board in like the three or four picks right before, um, you know, they they ended up going on the clock and making their first round selection. So, um, 
I think if if I think Justin Jefferson and Brandon Ayuk were the guys that they were eyeing up, you know, as the clock was coming down towards the end of that first round, um, and those are you know, those are the two guys who I I think would have been the best complementary skill sets to what's on this team, um, and yeah, that was that was the goal, that was the thought process I think for every Packers fan and myself included. Yeah, and instead, out of the one, two, three, four, nine picks you ended up with, not a single wide receiver drafted by the yep. Packers in this draft, and they trade up from 30 to 26 to take Jordan Love, the quarterback, out of Utah State. Now, I, for one, along with many other people, was absolutely floored when when that pick was made because – I know that we've seen this before in Green Bay, but it happened to uh you know to with a quarterback in Brett Favre who had been toiling with the idea of retirement. Yep. Whereas adversely, um you know Rodgers, a far better quarterback as far as keeping himself out of trouble, not throwing as many interceptions, uh, and things like that, not even remotely thinking about quitting. And not getting mistake prone and making stupid throws like, you know, like some of the throws that uh, Favre was known for, you know, all time leader in interceptions. That's that's not an accident in most cases and and whatnot. And so drafting Rodgers was a shock, but not entirely. It's like, well, he's in his late 30s. He's already been in the league 14 years. He's already doing this. Uh, and everything like that he's been also kind of been talking about retirement so this is the Packers kind of you know best player available also protecting their future you know because they still have a good football team blah 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 this you were a poor run defense away from going to the Super Bowl you made it all the way to the NFC championship game you were 13 and 3 you got a quarterback who was better at the things that his predecessor was bad at and you trade up to get yep the heir apparent to the position. It's just like, what is going on in Green Bay? Yeah, I, you made two of the the three points that I have been making to people this whole time is that is is the the Favre Rogers comparison doesn't really make sense because of yeah. the retirement factor. Um, the trade up as opposed to sitting there and and waiting for a guy to fall, um, and then you've got just fundamentally the fact that. The two the two guys were viewed very differently coming into the draft. There was, I mean, Rodgers and Alex Smith were one A and one B in whatever order you wanted to have them. Right, right. in in two thousand five, this was a case of a guy who a lot of people thought was going to go number one, falling all the way into the mid twenties, as opposed to Jordan Love, whose realistic ceiling was probably you know high teens, early yeah. teens, maybe, you know, maybe cracking, you know maybe 10th at the most, but, um, you know, certainly not seen as a, a top five or even really a top 10 guy. So to make that move, um, I, I, uh, the, 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 I can't help still wondering, I, and I'm going to come back to the receivers. I feel like they got, they got surprised and spooked when San Francisco traded up to 25 and got Ayuk, the receiver from Arizona state. I think, yeah. I really think he was the guy they wanted, um, and when you know they they even said after after everything kind of happened, you know when when twenty six came up that they only had one guy on their board left that they had a first round grade on, and that was Love, and so they basically said, all right, screw it, then I guess we go up and 
you know, get the one guy on our board who's got a first round grade. Um, I don't know if they would have, you know, tried to move back from, from 30 to, you know, into the second round and pick up some extra picks or what, um, and, and couldn't do it if they just, you know, went ahead with it. I mean, clearly they like love. I mean, there's no question about that. And, and some of the comments that, that Gutekunst and, and Lafleur made at the, at the combine, um, speak to, you know, the, the qualities that they see in Jordan love. Um, he's not afraid to take a hit. He's going to hang in the pocket and deliver a ball. He's an athletic guy who can, um, you know, he can create something out of nothing. Um, he's got a really, really lively, good arm, but especially this last year, you know, as a, as a junior, um, he was kind of a mess when it came to decision making and you know making some tight throws to the sideline, and and that's where he got burned on a lot of his picks. So you know, there's there's talent there, but but you know, fundamentally, it so much of this argument just comes down to you know why now. Why do you do this now when you have you know a future Hall of Famer who's still playing, not necessarily at the same high level he was three or four years ago, but still at a at a high level and a level that you can you know you, you feel like you can win a Super Bowl with, right? Um, he's certainly playing at a higher level than Peyton Manning did the year that that Denver you know won their Super Bowl, oh, for, for sure. example. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it just kind of calls it, it causes all these questions in your mind about you know what is it about the situation and, and was it the board was it you know what were all the factors that led into this and then you know after that pick then you just keep going on day two and you keep scratching your head as to to what they're what they're doing what they don't see in the receivers or and, and value you know where where these players are going and um. Yeah, it it the whole thing, you know, days one and two just really confused the hell out of Packers fans in in many many ways. Yeah, we talked about one of your day two picks, AJ Dillon, the running back out of Boston College. I seem to remember the the ESPN guys really scratching their heads yep. over that one. It's like after they got done picking their tongues off off the floor from the shock of you know trading up to get Jordan Love. Then it was, you know, this was one of not only was it top heavy as far as receivers in the first round, but one of the deepest wide receiver drafts in recent memory. And the Packers didn't take some of the guys that were available in the second round. They also picked a tight end instead of taking what was left in the third round uh, as well. So it's like, okay, Uh, you know, it's like it was and I was trying to take stock. And I really wish I had talked to you at the time was just like, were there guys hurt in 2019 that they're expecting to come back like, you know, a bat out of hell in in, in 2020? It's like, how do you not take one wide receiver out of the batch of receivers? That, I mean, even the Bears took a wide yep. receiver in the fifth round that we really didn't need as far as, you know, bodies and, and, and whatnot. But, uh, you know, and he's turning out to be one of the gems of training camp or so I've been hearing. Uh, anyway, it's like, how do... How did the Packers come away with nothing in one of the deepest wide receiver drafts when that was one of the one of the things that could have helped the offense the most in 2019? Yeah, 
I, I think the same sort of thing I think that happened in round one where a couple guys that I think they liked came off the board in the couple picks right before their their selection. I think that happened to them in rounds two and three also. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a whole ton of rumbling about the Packers loving Denzel Mims, the Baylor guy, um, leading up to the draft. And then, you know, in round two, you're getting down into the late 50s and the Packers are sitting at 62. And then all of a sudden, boom, there he goes to the Jets at 59. It's like, well, crap. You know, we're 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 thinking he's probably going to be the guy if he's there three picks later, and he's gone. So, um, so they kind of go in a different direction. And then even in round three, this the 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 Josiah Deguara pick, which is to me the biggest head scratching value pick of the entire draft for any team, just based on his position and his potential role. Um, that one, I remember I was, I was on a radio show about to preview the Packers pick when Baltimore was on the clock at 92, two picks before the Packers at 94. And, you know, we're talking about, I'm I'm talking to the radio hosts about, you know, who do you think the Packers could target here at 94? And I said, you know, I, I really like Devin Duvernay, the receiver out of Texas. I think he could be a perfect option for the Packers in the slot, brings some some deep speed. He's got a whole different skill set to anything that their big receivers have. And then, boom, as soon as I say that, the pick comes in and the Ravens take Duvernay, uh, two picks ahead of, of Green Bay. And I'm just, and, and you know, my, I, so again, I'm picking my job the floor and I'm thinking, okay, crap, well, now what the hell do they do? Um, and then they go, you know, in a completely different direction and take, you know, the guy who I think they hope is going to be their Kyle Juszczyk, which, okay, you know, that's a, that's a useful player, but is that role worth a third round pick? Yeah. I mean, that's what it boils down to for me with Deguara is, okay, if, if you're going to play him a little bit at tight end, you're going to play him at H back, you're going to put him at fullback, you'll split him off the, the line and make, you know, have him as a big slot guy a little bit. So, yeah, you can play him at seven different positions. That's great. But, you know, is he going to be an impact player for your offense? Um, I guess maybe if if you're really convinced that he's, you know, juice check 2.0, maybe that's how you justify it. And maybe you do it that way, you know, when, again, maybe if you miss out on, on the guy that you were targeting by a couple picks, um, you find a way to talk yourself into this guy. And especially having traded away your fourth round pick, you figure you might not get him in round five. But um, that one, you know, this is always the the battle, right? You you root for these guys. You want them to do well. You want to see the, you know, the, these players do well, but you just, you know, trying to separate that out from the decision-making process and the value that they bring at the, their position. um, It just doesn't line up for me with that particular pick. Yeah. I mean, that can, uh, that definitely happens. You know, you come across those, those picks where, you know, they're yours. So you have no choice, but to root for them. Now, obviously the team saw something in them to, you know, use one of their assets to bring them on to the, to the team. But there's always going to be that. I knew it or the, I told you so factor if, and when that guy doesn't work out. You know, and I, I think the Bears just got rid of one of theirs in Adam Shaheen when guys like George Kittle were on the board that, yep. uh, you know, didn't go to like two or three rounds later. And we picked this guy from a school that no one's ever heard of before. And, you know, he's the, the man amongst boys in Division Two, and he's got he's a specimen and blah, blah, blah. And he's going to be like, but 
really here? We couldn't get a guy from Ashland in the third or fourth round or whatever. We got to take him here in the second round, and we just gave him away for a conditional like seventh round pick uh, to yep. Miami. So it's just like that's the rate of return. Uh, and it's just like, okay, great. So fantastic. That, that was a worthy investment, uh, you know, in that guy and just things never got going for him. And now he's playing for somebody else. So it's like, you, you don't want that to happen, but you're not exactly going to be, you know, surprised if, and when it does. Right. Yep. Yeah. That's all you can do is just sit back and, you know, hope that, hope that it pays off and that they, uh, you know, that they end up being proven right on their you know, their decision making. So does it did it make you worry about like the scouting department? Because you mentioned on all three of your top picks that you think they went the way they did because the guy they wanted was taken off the board. So it's like instead of you know, it's not like that you know, did they really get down to like the last possible guy that we like and then panic and go in in an opposite direction? Or you know, because it kind of makes you wonder. It's like if this was your reaction to yeah. that, then you know, God help us if things really don't go to plan. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, they, they did even say after the draft that basically, you know, once they got done with day three, you know, they didn't like any of the, or, sorry, day two, they didn't like any of the day three receivers enough to think that they could beat out anybody for a roster spot. So that's why they didn't, you know, take one of the guys um, on one of the receivers still left on the third day of the draft. Um, so they clearly like, they clearly valued some of these guys, um, th- these receivers in this class, but I don't know if it was just a, a, a you know, relative valuation of where they fall relative to the, where the other teams had them. If it was just a, a weird, again, a weird board thing. If they, you know, maybe were trying to move up the board a couple picks and just couldn't quite make a trade workout or something. Um, I think all those things could have played into it. And then when they, you know, when they didn't f- didn't get the guy that they really liked. Then they look and, you know, you probably have to say, okay, well, um, what's our, you know, what's our next value? And, you know, in the case of, of, of Dylan, for example, um, you know, they, they see a, a big physical running back, but a guy who's, you know, who's fleet of foot better than you would think from like a six foot, 245 pound back. Um, I mean, he's got some... I, I, I see what they see in him after seeing a little bit of cutups of him in um, in training camp and then going back and looking at some of his combine drills and things. Um, you kind of see how, how they can how you can get talked into him as a second round pick. Um, but again, just the receiver position, I, I think the breaks all just kind of went against him and for whatever reason they couldn't get into a position where you know the value of the player matched up with um, you know with where they were at on the board and it just didn't work out. Yeah, you know that that it's 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 funny how that that seems to uh, that seems to happen, and just like sometimes it just seems like this team just had the worst luck as far as like this is the guy that we wanted, and two picks away, and somebody takes him. Like you know, we didn't think they would. He we, we you know here we could practically see him in the uniform, and now yep. nope. Ravens the, took your Duvernay or you know whoever the, in the second round with the other receivers yep. and. You know, the, the, San Francisco the, trading uh, up and stuff like that. The best example of that that I can ever I can ever point to is was the '96 draft, and I want to you know I'll could dive into history a little bit, but Ron Wolf still talks about this as as his biggest regret was 
Um, first round, the Packers, I think, were sitting like 26 or 27, and they were convinced, 100% convinced, that they were going to get Ray Lewis and that he was going to be, you know, he was going to be their guy. They loved him. They didn't think that there was any chance that anybody was was going to grab him. They were on the phone with him, uh, saying that that he was going to be their pick. And then Baltimore calls him and picks him one pick ahead of of the Packers. And that was the that was a true like freak out scramble pick when you know they had not really prepared for the the possibility that he was going to be gone. So they ended up grabbing a. a a tackle from USC who played two years and was out of football. And, you know, that that's one of the ones that, that Wolf still talks to this day about how that pick, you know, that situation haunts him. And so, yeah, it, it's, and, and, you know, think, think back if, you know, the Packers had added Ray Lewis to that defense in 96, Yeah, you know, they, I, I, I bet you that uh, they don't lose the Super Bowl to the Broncos in '97, and that that can completely change the you know the whole complexion of that defense for the next decade and a half. So, um, it's yeah. it's crazy how this this works sometimes, and you, you just you just never really know um, until you know several years down the line. So I well, I mean, I think we're the, we're not that yeah. far removed from that scenario happening to the Bears now. Happily yep. for us it worked out a lot better for us than it did for you and, and who you ended up quote unquote settling for. Uh, but, um, in 2014, there was a guy right. that, uh, we were one pick away from taking in Aaron Donald. When all of a sudden the St. Louis Rams who had taken a defensive lineman in the first round, like every year for the past decade, kind of like the, the lions with their wide receiver sickness there for a while. Um, they just jump in at 13 and take Aaron Donald, and we ended up taking Kyle Fuller. Now, fortunately, that ended up working out, but as far as like immediate return on investment, Aaron Donald has yeah. been a beast from day one, whereas Kyle Fuller kind of had to find his footing before he became the player that he is today. So in the long run, it worked out for the Bears, but if we could have had Aaron Donald and then eventually yep. added Khalil Mack to Aaron Donald, God help the rest of football. You know, yeah. it just it, it's it, it it just makes you cringe to think like you could practically taste the guy on your team uh-huh. and there he is, he's gone. So, yep, yeah. And I can only imagine it would have been like having Barry Sanders on the other side of the ball for the Bears for twelve years or however long Ray Lewis ended up playing if he ends up in Green Bay. Uh, yep. It's like, oh well, this is gonna suck no matter what. And so, <laughs> with this savage, you know, who's missed a handful of games in thirty years playing football. So, but real quick, day three was it quantity over quality, or did you actually get some players you're excited about in these last six picks? Yeah, there's there's some guys that I think can play in this group. Um, John Runyon, the tackle from Michigan, um, son of you know longtime NFL starter. Um, Sixth round tackle. Um, I, I really liked him coming out. I thought he fit the Packers kind of profile athletically for a tackle perfectly. And um, he was the first pick that I thought really like totally made sense for this team. Um, just fit with their tendencies and and what they like to do. Um, so I, I think in the long run, they might have something there with him. And kind of the same thing with Jake Hansen, the center from Oregon. Um, you know, he's a, a four year starter. Um, you know, played basically every game for, for Oregon and, and was, you know, played at a really high level elite kind of pass blocking center. And I think with Corey Lindsley's contract up at the end of this year, I think it 
there's a, a very good chance that you might see Hanson um, kind of be anointed as the the next center for this team, uh, especially since they don't draft uh, interior defense or interior offensive linemen very highly. The one that kind of is a bummer is the fifth rounder, Kamal Martin, the the Minnesota linebacker. Um, it sounded like he was getting some run with the starters uh, over the last couple of weeks of camp um, until Sunday when he suffered a knee injury and apparently had meniscus surgery and is out for something in the realm of probably, you know, five to six weeks. So, Oh, is that it? That one's five to six weeks. We're, we're, it's not a season ender that much. They're, they're pretty pretty good about it. Right. Yeah. Um, they're, they're expecting Martin can come back. Um, but yeah, I mean, he'd been he'd been in there, and it looked like there was a good chance he was going to start next to Kirksey in uh, in week one. So you know, now do they go back to a guy like Oren Burks, who hasn't really played in the the regular season at all? Do they go with a safety playing linebacker again, um, like they did in in week one last year with Raven Green? Um, so that's a that's a big question mark. I think if he can come back and be healthy, I think there's a chance that he can you know be a decent decent contributor. Um, but then, yeah, the rest of the guys I think are, are guys, um, uh, maybe you can find something with, um, you know, with one of these seventh round flyers, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're going for upside there. And I think Jonathan Garvin, he's a, an edge rusher out of Miami. Um, he's got some, some good tools that, that I think you can, you can try to put to use in a rotational setting. But, um, if I'm betting on one of these guys having, you know, a good chance at a, a good productive career as a starter, um, my bet's on probably Runyon, um, the the tackle. All right. So real, let's because uh, we I got to let you go here in a few minutes. Um, we'll talk about the schedule um, real quick. We mentioned before you're on the road at Minnesota to get things started. Home opener against Detroit on the road for New Orleans. That's a Sunday night game, and then Monday night at Atlanta before a very early bye week in week five. Uh, how's that shaping up to you? Uh, I mean, <laughs> you, you figure two and two in that stretch is probably fine. Um, Minnesota, New Orleans on the road, you know, normally that would be two very intimidating games in those environments. Yeah. Um, you figure, you know, home for Detroit and home for Atlanta should be winnable games, but, um, yeah, I think you get a chance with the Vikings not having fans in the stadium for week one. New Orleans, we'll see. I don't know that they've made the decision yet. Um, you might be able to steal one, you know, one of those games. Yeah. And I think Minnesota, there's a chance there because the way that the, the Packers' defensive front beat up Minnesota's offensive line last year, um, you know, again, nobody could block Zadarius Smith. And I don't see anything that they've done this offseason Minnesota has changing that. So I think you got a good shot at uh, – at, at taking that one. So, you know, two and two was good. Three and one would be great. Um, but then, yeah, you got that early buy, which is probably a good thing because that next stretch of the schedule is brutal. Yeah. At Tampa Bay, uh, at Houston home for Minnesota. So you get the Vikings out of the way early at San Francisco. So on the California and the Bosa yep. brothers or, or to the one Bosa brother, Nick there, uh, on a short week as well. So after you get done duking it out at home against Minnesota, which is a game that has never been easy for you guys, you're on yep. a short break going on the road to San Francisco where you lost twice last year. It was the first game also in San Francisco? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yep. 
Yeah, looking forward to that one, I can see. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> home for Jacksonville at Indianapolis. And then, what is this, week 12, week 11? The very first 12, matchup yeah. between us, <laughs> Sunday, November 29th, um, at home, surprise, surprise, on national TV. I mean, that almost never happens. The Bears and the Packers Shocking. on national TV yeah. at Lambeau. I Lam- mean, Lambeau, what an idea. Lambeau Field night game. Yeah, wow. who, who knew? Yeah, I, I was. I was happy for you guys that you finally got one in Soldier Field last year in Week One. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I remember you've been talking about that for for years now. So at least uh, finally let you guys return the favor and play it. You know, play us at home for a night game for once. Yeah, for once, right? <laughs> so, then uh, the December stretch: home for Philly, at Detroit, home for Carolina, home for Tennessee, which should be interesting. Also, a Sunday night mm-hmm. game, and then we're finishing the year in Chicago, and 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 I think that's the shocker for both you and I that you're not playing Detroit and we're not playing Minnesota for Thank the first time goodness. in like five years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, it's been it's been far too long that we've had to finish off with the Lions these last several years. So, um, so at least you guys no. kind of rotated the home in a way. The Bears was three yeah. straight years in Minnesota to finish out the year. Ugh. Oof, rough, yeah. not fun. So, like you're you're sitting there, you're looking at it, you're trying to be level headed. You, you you know what are you looking at for a a record? What what's what's going to blow your skirt up? Um, I'll be happy if this team wins 10 games, to be honest with you. Um, I think this team could go 10 and six and, and objectively be a better team than they were at 13 and three last year because of both the, again, the regression factor I mentioned earlier, and just the fact that this, this feels like a tougher schedule. Um, there, there's certainly going to be better quarterbacks that the, that the Packers have to play this year than last year. I mean, they hit David Blau once. They hit Kansas City in one of the games that Patrick Mahomes missed, so they got Matt Moore in that game. Right. Um, and I think there was another backup in there somewhere, too. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on it now. The two games but, against Trubisky yeah, didn't hurt, I'm sure. Well, that, there's that too. Yeah, we still get <laughs> well, still get that. I guess depending on what happens with Foles, but yeah, um, but I mean now you figure you know you get Drew Brees in there, you get Tam, uh, Tom Brady mm-hmm. in there with Gronk again, you get Deshaun Watson, yeah, Matt Ryan. Um, yeah, Ryan and and Philip Rivers again, and um, so yeah, it's it's a it's definitely looks on paper like a tougher schedule last year. That week five to week eight, or, or I'm sorry, week six to week nine stretch, the Tampa, Houston, Minnesota, San Francisco stretch is is awful. Yeah, um, that's that's going to be terrible. And I'm not sure if I'd rather have the bye week before that or or after that to lick right. their wounds sure. and uh, you know see see what happens after that. But at least after that Niners game, they've got kind of a mini bye with with that game coming on Thursday night. So that's the only benefit to to playing that on a short week. Um but yeah, I think um I think 10 and 6 is achievable. Um I certainly think 10 and 6 gets them into the playoffs. Um and you know, especially with one of the byes going away, you know, I don't see this team being in contention for home field in the NFC. So at that point, get in and see what you can do. So that's that's my, you know, that's my ballpark. Is is I think ten and six is is possible. Um, I could see them going nine and seven. I could even see them going eight and eight. And you know, kind of like you said, being in a little bit of a position where the Bears were last year. Yeah. Um, and you know, 
backsliding a little bit, but you know, most of the under over unders I've been seeing are, are around eight and a half. Um, I think this is like a nine and a half, 10 win team probably. Sure. Well, according to, I don't know if you heard about the like Madden simulation, but uh, 10 oh, and no. six will only be good enough for second place in the division because apparently yeah. the bears are going 14 and two and beating the chiefs <laughs> in the super bowl this year. I, Nick, I definitely missed that. Nick Foles as league and Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> like I read that yesterday. I was like, "Did what?" Oh, yes. Like even I don't think that can happen. Um, <laughs> I think the Bears can win. I think it's doable that the Bears can win ten games with our defense. Anything is possible. It's just a matter of a can they stay healthy and b can the offense rise to the occasion from time to time. I mean, we were eight and eight last year. We were awful. We were an awful football team, and we won eight games somehow. If we'd have been halfway decent on off on off on offense, we might have been challenging you guys for the division crown uh, last yep. year. I mean, that's what we made the the season so difficult to stomach was the what could have been uh, for that uh, for that team. But um, even I'm not so high on the things that have been done to think that we'll <laughs> damn near run the table and win the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, with Nick Foles at the helm. Although I wouldn't hate it if Nick Foles was our was our starter, because um, you know I think it's an upgrade either way. Either Nick Foles is going to come in and make Trubisky play out of his mind because he doesn't want to be unemployed uh, next year, or we're rolling with Nick Foles. Either scenario is we're better than we were last year at quarterback, my, or so one would think anyway. My money's on the ladder there, but. That's, we'll see. That's where I'm at. I mean, uh, Nagy's <laughs> Nagy's doing the gamemanship and talking like they haven't made that decision yet, that they're going to uh-huh. make it over the weekend when they're deciding the roster uh, and whatnot, and announce the starter sometime next week. So, we'll see. We'll see. You know, I I, yeah. I think it's in Trubisky's favor simply because COVID knocked out any chance of Foles coming in for mini camps or OTAs and you know getting to know the team ahead of training camp there's still probably a, a learning curve that hasn't been established yet that, uh, you know, Trubisky has the, the, the wear on the tires for already. So sure. we'll see. But, um, Evan, it's been great talking to you, man. Uh, great to get back into the swing of things. So thanks for being my, my first guest to, to bring me back into, uh, you know, full swing. And uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to wait until after Thanksgiving to talk again because, like we mentioned a moment yeah. ago, week 12, the first game – between our two teams um november 29th so uh, we look forward to having you back then and we will have a very good idea of who our teams are when we meet for the first time this year as opposed to constantly meeting each other early and always kind of being <laughs> in that i don't really know who the team is yet at this point but this game will show us a lot and uh you know having one of those matchups uh will be uh you know well transitioned into football and I'm very interested to see how this season in general is going to turn out because, like you mentioned a minute ago, the road games at Minnesota, at New Orleans, you know, would be daunting tasks in a regular year. Will it even matter with no to little fans in the stands? How much does a home field advantage actually mean in COVID-era football? So uh, I'm interested to see how all of that uh, pans out. So, Evan, what uh, – what else you got going on? Podcasts, blogs, what, what, you know, where can we, where else can we find you? 
Yeah, you can uh, you can find all our work at Acme Packing Company. Um, covering the Packers, it's acmepackingcompany.com. Um, I've been doing some fairly regular uh, appearances on our uh, our podcast. It's just the APC podcast. Um, you can find that anywhere podcasts are are sold and distributed. Right. Um, and then you can find uh, you can find the blog on Twitter. It's at Acme Packing Co. And I'm on Twitter at Tex Western. All right. Thanks so much, Evan Western. We'll uh, we'll see you on the back half of uh, November, man. Thanks so much for uh, for stopping by. Sounds good. So before gotta get out in once before Thanksgiving. Go so ahead. Go, back, go, go ahead. All right. <laughs> Just a real quick uh, message here before we let you guys go. Number one, want to thank Evan Western uh, for being my guest. It was really fun to talk to him, um, even though the conversation was all about the dastardly Green Bay Packers. Uh, really great to have him on the show and to have a, a familiar friend to kind of you know ease me back into this whole podcasting thing. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. Thank you for coming back and listening and being patient with me and my blahness of 2020 and everything. Uh, I think when I made my original post, a lot of you were on board uh, with what I was thinking. So I appreciate the support. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, check out our sponsors, betonline.ag and Manscaped. And um, we'll be back this weekend. I'm, th- I'm hoping Saturday will be when uh, we'll drop the episode with Chris Gates to talk about the Vikings. Then Tuesday... Uh, Lauren Cox will be talking about the 2020 beloved Chicago Bears as we go through the 53-man roster, which will be announced over the weekend. And then on Thursday, Jeremy Reisman will preview the Lions and also preview week one between the Bears and the Lions. And then before you know it, I'll be back with knee-jerk reactions and bear up and bear down because we're going to have a game in the books in 10 days, guys. So anyway, that is going to do it. And until next time, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.